Okay, well, welcome everyone. Thank you for joining our session today. Um, my name is Chris Douglas uh, from Partnered Solutions and All Auto Recalls. Uh, we've got uh, the pleasure of um, having the likes of Chaz Ambrose, uh, bottom corner there. Chaz, welcome. Chaz is the Secretary of the Vehicle Recyclers Association in the UK. Thanks for joining us this morning, your time. Very and welcome. we've got Mark Trent, uh, bottom right, with the glasses on there and the cool hair, hairdo. Mark, <laughs> welcome. Thanks for that, <laughs> and thanks for joining. Uh, of, of course, Chad, how are you going? Doing well, how are you? Excellent, very good. And I just forgot to click something. So we're clicking now and we're actually going live because we went live, Chad, can you believe that? <laughs> I'm gonna welcome everyone again. So welcome everyone, thank you for joining. Uh, Chaz and Mark Trent, Chaz from the Vehicle Recyclers Association and Mark Trent from Charles Trent Limited in Bournemouth. Um, if you've ever had a chance to get down there, um, you'll recognise the lovely place of the world. I was there in winter and it was a little bit fresh, uh, Mark. Uh, hopefully it's getting a bit warmer now. Yeah, I think we've got warmer temperatures in you, Chris. <laughs> Look at my background, mate. It's nice and sunny out there at the minute. <laughs> Chaz, how are you going? Yeah, pretty good, thanks, Chris. Yeah, pretty good. Excellent, excellent. Okay, so let's jump right into it. We've got people uh, joining as we speak. Um, we've got uh, Facebook Live on the go at the minute as well. So those that are on Facebook, welcome. Any messages there, please feel free to, uh, to send them through and we'll try and attend to those. Um, we've got a heap of messages that actually came through uh, prior to the call um, and some that Chaz has sort of put together as some of the messages that or some of the questions that his uh, members may want answered so we'll we'll try and get to those but hopefully you guys will come up with as many questions as possible during the call we'll also uh hand over to Chaz in about five or six minutes and and get him to talk to us a little bit about this announcement that we've been talking about Chaz so uh looking forward to that um but if we can jump right into it um Chaz we've been talking about um certification for some time um you know, I remember meeting you all uh, back in February 2019 when I was there uh, at the eBay session that we had down in um, Richmond. Um, and it's been, you know, 15, 16 months now. I know we've had a couple of hiccups along the way, but we're, we're getting close. Do you want to give us all a bit of information on that? And just for everyone's, uh, uh, for everyone's sake, I've got some polls that will be asked some questions along the way. So be aware that you might see a poll pop up if you could answer that, that'd be great. It'll give uh, Chaz and, and the team a lot of information uh, that he can use. So tell us a little bit about certification, Chaz, and, and where we're at. Oh, well, th well, thanks, Chris. Yeah, it, it has been, uh, there has been some delays. There's been some time uh, on the go, but um, it's a really important project. And it's only right that we've taken time to, to make sure we do get it right. But uh, I mean, the, the whole point of certification is to is to build confidence in in the sector, and in in the operators, and to make sure they are legitimate uh, companies and work to certain given standards. Um, going back, I guess we may, it must be February time, as you say, February nineteen. Yep, February. Um, we had to start effectively a couple of glitches, and we had to rewrite basically the standard from scratch. Um, with the help of, of you guys, um, and it's come on a long way. Um, the standard is now uh, version one is is finished. Um, 
that's gone out to a number of parties to review, including insurers in the UK um, and some new vehicle recyclers. So we're constantly getting feedback on that. So and the actual standard document, including a parts grading system, is core of certification. Um, um, and the point, the point is that you have this standard and then you have um, an, um, a certification awarding body that will assess a recycler against that stand to see how they comply with it. Um, and that gives an independent, that, that certification body is completely independent of us and independent of the recycler. It gives transparency and confidence that the recycler really is operating to that given standard. Um, and we've got to the stage now where uh, we've tendered um, about eight, eight or nine companies in the UK, national companies that, that offer that service. Um, the contracts have been awarded. Um, they were awarded last month in May. Uh, as I say, the standards there. So the standard, the scheme rules have all been drawn up. Uh, we've established a technical oversight committee, which yourself, Chris, is, is on there. And I think I think Mark might be on. I can't recall exactly, um, but we are pretty close to pressing the button on the whole scheme now. It's it's not far off. Um, we've got some. Uh, I think at the moment we've got about ninety ninety five uh, recyclers in the UK have already expressed um, an interest. Um, we've probably got about a dozen that have been sort of. Um, Involved, integrally involved, right from the word go, including uh, including Mark there, um, and I think Mark Mark is certainly um, will be will be one of the first to, to come in on this. Um, so I, I would say that in June we'll see us and go live with it, Chris. There's a, there's a I think there's probably a couple more exciting um, announcements to be made in the in the coming week or so. But uh, yeah, we're, we're about there, I think. Excellent, excellent. Chad, I'm just going to throw over to you. You heard a number there. How many did you say were interested, uh, Chaz? I think he said 90 to 90 What What percentage of your membership is that that's interested? You're, oh, that's uh, about half our members. About 50. Have expressed an interest already. The number is amazing. And, and, and that's what I was talking with Chris about this morning in the office. Uh, the 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 number of recyclers that are interested in certification in the UK blows my mind. In the US, uh, that number was much, much lower uh, as percentage-wise of, of our members. And so it's it's amazing the uh, the buy-in, the, the number, the sheer number of, of recyclers that are desiring that certification. And so I, I applaud you, the UK, the, the entire uh, VRA. Uh, that is, that's impressive to hear that kind of number already. And so uh, I'd be excited to see how many actually do follow through and get certified. And I'm sure it's going to be a very, very high number. Mark, before I yeah. hand over to you, just letting people know that we've got the uh, poll going on and are you interested in the VRA certification program? So we've had uh, 63% uh, vote already and we haven't had any no's yet. So that, that's a good thing. So sorry, Chaz, were you going to say something there before I jumped in? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, you've got to bear in mind that um, a lot of our, a lot of our members, um, aren't involved in, in the reused parts sector. They're, they're metal recyclers and, and processors. Um, so, you know, virtually everybody that, if our membership was interested in parts, was interested in, in certification. Uh, I mean, last, in, last year in October, we had our 
um, biannual conference, and it, the, it was the, the well, most well attended in in recent memory. And that was driven, I think, by um, by the by the focus on green pass and certification. I mean, there yourself, Chris talking. Um, it, it was very very positive, and uh, I, I think we'll get in the next couple of years. I wouldn't be surprised if we get you know we're well into the hundreds joining joining the scheme. Excellent. I think also, Chris, there was a there was an interest in certification from those that don't sell parts. So there, there is a real desire to uh, differentiate quality operators from perhaps illegitimate operators or the poor quality operators in the sector as a whole, not just in parts reuse. This particular scheme wouldn't be relevant as it stands to them, but I think there's scope to further expand it. Sure. So, Mark, if I can um, hand over to you a little bit. Certification, you've been one of the, the leaders in with regard to the discussion around certification. I remember, in fact, the first call that I had with you back in February last year, or actually might have been even been January, late January, um, talking about certification. You were quite aggressively positive about we need to do something and you know i think it's it's the right thing so tell us from a charles trent limited perspective what is so inviting to you from a certification perspective well, i think anything that brings in uh, a more professional approach to the industry is always a positive um you know we've always set our bar very high in what we do and how we produce parts how we sell parts who we sell parts to so I think, you know, anything for, you, uh, for accreditation gives, you know, obviously, the consumer confidence. Um, it gives uh, the insurance, insurers confidence. And obviously, they're, in, they're, they're more or less new to this game at the moment. So, you know, and I think one of the things we're talking about is the accreditation side. And I think we're very keen to see that there's something, something that's put on the table by a professional body. Um, also, certainly, thing for the journey through for, like, your on, online said that also gives you a, a selling tool. So, like I said, auto recalls for us has been, you know, so again, it's been it's been welcomed. Um, we see it as a, again a powerful selling tool, and also it's it's good for the consumer and it gives them the confidence they're not going to buy a part that's on recall. Um, it just saves a lot of time and hassle. Excellent. Well, um, we're talking about recalls. Mark's mentioned recalls. Chaz, um, should we talk a little bit about? Recalls and and what yeah. uh, what's happening there? We've been speaking a little bit about an announcement. Um, so do we want to do we want to have a bit of a chat about that? And do you want to sort of take yeah. the chair and and, and t tell everyone on this call and whoever's watching on Facebook where we're at and what we're doing? Yeah, happy to do that, Chris. Um, I mean, re recall the whole the whole point of certification and the path grading is, as, as we've all agreed, is to build confidence in the product that we're selling, the consistency of approach, and the quality. Um, and the real integral part of that, of course, is making sure that the part that we sell is fit for purpose. Um, and to do that, you know, one of the most basic things is we need to check whether that part is subject to recall. I mean, if if a vehicle manufacturer has recognized the parts being defective, then we need to know about it and we need to stop that part being sold. So, you know, recalls is an integral part of the certification. Um, it's been fairly daunting, uh, we got honest, uh, early on because it's, um, there's no sort of automated system that currently exists in the UK for vehicle recyclers. Um, and it can be very labor intensive indeed. 
if you well, I was gonna say if you're using handling large volumes of vehicles, but it, it's not easy to find your way through it, even even relatively small numbers. Um, and I think that's why we're we're so pleased to have hooked um, up yourself, Chris, with all auto recalls. Um, and I'm really really pleased to be able to say to um, listeners that um, we are we are going to be launching together the VRA and auto recalls launching a solution for the UK market. Um, it's I've seen it working. I think it's very useful. It's just what we need right now. And um, yeah, it's going to make attaining certification uh, achievable for us. To be quite honest, do you want to jump in and build on that, Chris? Great. Yeah. Well, firstly, can I just say it's been super working with Chaz. We've, uh, we've been doing a heap of work in the background from a recalls perspective and, and what we can do uh, with uh, with the UK market to support auto recyclers uh, from a recalls perspective. You know, a lot of people uh, look at it and, and say, well, it's a bit hard. And, you know, it is. It's, it's, it's not a simple thing to do, right? So whatever system... Uh, we build needs to be a system that's bespoke to the industry requirements, right? It needs to understand how an automotive recycler works, it needs to understand what happens to, you know, a vehicle when it comes through um, and how we process those vehicles and especially in high volume type of scenarios. So we've done a lot of work with, with Chaz and the team there and, and Chad has, uh, has driven a lot of this locally here and uh, we're really happy and proud to be uh, in a position where we're offering the, the auto recall service that we've developed over the past two years here in Australia um, to that UK market. We're in a position now where we've got, you know, all the historic uh, recall data uh, uploaded into the, into the database um, and we're, we're ready to go. So we're in a position where we can start taking uh, recall requests, um, VIN lists, uh, and we can run those through the recall system to uh, look at the historic vehicle analysis um, and say, okay, of the vehicles that you've ever dismantled, which of those were recalled? What was the specific recall on that VIN? And, um, and what's, the, what's the remedy so that it helps you clean your inventory out of, of some of these dangerous parts? So that's where we're at with it. We're really excited about it. Um, working closely with Mark as well um, as again, a leader um, helping work through process you know what are some of the things that uk recyclers may need so that's been a, a good opportunity to do that with mark and again taking a leadership position on this has been i think uh really really important so we appreciate that um so i suppose mark if i can hand over to you you mentioned briefly there a little bit about recalls what how do you see potentially recalls working in in your business when i say recalls working in your business probably a bad way to put it how do you see uh, Charles Trent Limited uh, managing recalls better, I suppose, in the future? And how do you how do you propose to take that and make that a positive for your business? Well, I think, you know, provided we can get the, the auto recalls through the systems and, and easily, I think it's, it's just a, a level of infrastructure you've got to put in just to ensure that it works both ends. Obviously, if, if, we, if it raises a, a, an issue with a part that we're able to, uh, notify the customer or the purchaser of that and, and put a fluid process in there, Chris. I think, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a lot of work that we don't know, uh, you know, it's been, that we don't know is available at the moment, but we know that it's been out in the, in the States for a lot longer than us. So it's all, all new stuff to us. So we're, we're learning on the, as, as we go with this, uh, Chris, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's very interesting. Like I said, we do see it as a very valuable part of our business now moving forward. 
Um, and, you know, certainly over the next 18 months when we're putting in some big infrastructure uh, warehousing to build for the insurance reuse and, and obviously stocking more parts for, for the demand that's out there at the moment, it, it all just goes hand in hand at, at the moment. Yeah, I think one of the really important things, and, and Chad, you might want to jump in and talk a little bit about this around the, you know, a potential recall that happens moving forward, you know, sometime in the future, um, and how we handle that and some of the stuff we're doing here locally for some of the recyclers that we've, we've picked up, for example. For Absolutely. You know, historically, we've always thought, recyclers have always thought, let's run the VIN for a recall whenever the vehicle comes into our operation. And yes, that's good. But the truth is we warehouse product for a long time before we may sell it. And so we need to actually run that recall again at the point of sale or proactively be notified by the agency that's, or the company that's trying to help you with the, the recall. And that's what exactly what we do here in, in Australia is we are proactively sending emails out when a new recall occurs on a vehicle that you have in stock. So then that you have in stock gets loaded into our system and then we're constantly running new recalls against that VIN. And if it flags a new recall, we're going to make you aware of it so you can remove a component off the shelf or out of your inventory so that you do not actually accidentally sell a component that is recalled. And so that's a, that's a very important feature because recalls are occurring on a daily basis. And we're not talking small recalls. We're talking hundreds of thousands of, of affected products in a, in a single recall. And, and so it's uh, that's a critical point, and we've got to stay on top of our recalls, of our recalls throughout the whole lifespan of that product on our shelf. Thanks, uh, Chad. Uh, got a question that's come through Q and A. Andy Latham, is the use of the recall database a mandatory part of the certification process? Chaz, should I hand that over to you? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Thanks. Uh, yes, it is. Yes, having a recalls process in place is of the certification scheme yeah you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to get certification without having that in place okay so uh i think that was fairly straightforward there andy um i think importantly though i, I want to make sure that there's no you know if there's you might find a, a another way of doing it and you know if there's another solution there for you it, it, no one's saying you have to use this system or anything like that we'd love you to <laughs> but at the same time um no one's uh, forcing anyone's hand behind their back to say you have to do X, Y, or Z, right? So I think that's important. Um, I think one of the other things, Chad, there, you know, we spoke there a little bit about what happens if there's a recall in the future. I think one of the things that a lot of automotive recyclers haven't thought through and and to a degree, you know, it's, it's something that's been water under the bridge, so to speak, um, has been what happens if I've sold a part and then I get notified of a recall on it. So these airbags, for example, from Takata or the Pajero control arms or whatever it may be, or uh, Subaru ignition switches, you know, these vehicles were manufactured sometimes 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Um, we may have sold lots of these parts. And when we sold a lot of these parts, they may be out there on vehicles, VIN numbers that are not affected by the recall. So these drivers are driving around with these, these parts on their cars that could be dangerous. So, you know, it's one of those things, you know, we as automotive recyclers, I think, need to also think about, okay, what processes do I need? So, Mark, from your business perspective, when you get an auto alert to say that, okay, VIN number ABC now has a recall whatever on it, um, there needs to be a process in place that you check 
that information, say, okay, I've checked that VIN. Have I sold that particular part? Yes, I've sold that part. Who have I sold it to? And we better make contact with them to let them know of that recall. So one of the things that we do at All Auto Recalls is actually hold your hand through that. We've got templated letters that we can help send you that will help you notify the consumer so that you've done what you've needed to do, both from an obligation perspective, but also it's the right thing to do, right? So we try and help you through that process. Well, first and foremost, it's definitely the right thing to do. I think it's the, the, the key to this is making the process as automated as possible, because obviously it's going to be, there's obviously, as you said, there's, there's been, you know, just looking at our data, there's been 2,900 recalls on, 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 on 20,000 uh, vehicles. Um, and obviously we've got to go now and try and work out how we're going to notify those consumers who we sold them to. We'll obviously have the record of every, every part we sold. That's if we sold them. But I think one of the things where we had a discussion earlier this morning, you know, things like Wirelink, which we don't sell. So there'll be a lot of items there that, that we don't, we don't sell at all as a company or as, as an industry. So, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it all, all works out, Chris. But like I said, I think the, the key to this is, is as much automation as possible. Mm. And the integration to systems is going to be the, the, one of the key parts. But, you know, like, you know, like most companies now, we have different, we have after sales in, in the department. So we could, we could either bring that into the after sales department or even the sales department. But obviously, there's, you know, perhaps it's, that's not the place to put it. But certainly from an after sales point of view, it's where we can see it integrating quite well. Um, into our business. Yep. It, here in Australia, the, uh, the all auto recall system is fully integrated with the Pinnacle system here. And so uh, that's, um, we could look at that possibility. Well, that's good because we've got Pinnacle. <laughs> yeah, so but yeah we, we could look at that at the, at the right time. Certainly, um, what I thought we'd do is maybe flick over to this screen here and, and talk to some of the specific questions that. Um, or points that we need to make about recalls just on while we're on this topic. So um, don't forget, guys, we've got a uh, uh, polls happening right through the session. So feel free to jump on the polls. I'll leave them open for as long as I can and keep on um, reviewing some of those. So um, why is it important? A lot of people will ask the question, so why should I do this? Um, and one of the questions there in the poll is, do you know what your legal obligations are around recalls? And the fact is that it's, firstly, it's dangerous. Um, to sell a safety-related recall part. And every basically all, all recall parts are safety-related because they have safety recalls. Um, it's illegal to sell a recall part, right? So that's that's critical. Um, the, you know, if a recall part fails, and I know, you know, in the US, they've had a few examples of this, and I think there's still one case going in Nevada, I think, is it, Chad, where yeah. they sold the recall airbag, in fact, and it injured someone. Um, Long story short, we just need to think about recalled components and we need to think of it in the context of the consumer and the fact that there is to a degree, not to a degree, there is a moral obligation that we, we have to sell a part that is safe, let's be clear. Um, but looking at it from a perspective of, let's say now, you know, what are the opportunities for us to sell more parts? And Mark, chime in at any point in time if you like here. But one of the things that I see as an opportunity here is how can I promote my business as a recall checked and passed business, right? As, as a user of a recall system, as a business that has a recall process if something happens in the future. 
as a business that is certified and therefore has a recall. How can I promote my services and my products so that I can differentiate my product and my services from anyone else that's selling the same commodity to a degree, right? So um, I, think, I think there's a really positive spin we can put to all this at a point in time. Uh, Mark, I'm not sure what, what you're thinking there with regard to whether there's any marketing opportunities here with, with this whole thing or... Oh, oh, 100% there's a marketing opportunity. Like I said, just going back to the consumer confidence, you know, if a consumer see that you've got something um, displayed on your website or even on your adverts um, or on your, your listings, that you're, you know, everything's, you've been, been auto-recall checked um, and it gives, it gives them the confidence. I think anything that builds confidence for the consumer would always put you up to the top of the, uh, the, the ladder, basically, and they'll always buy off of you over somebody else, regardless of price. Um, so that's, that's normally what we found. We've never been the cheapest in, in our industry, anyhow. We never possess to be the cheapest, don't want to be the cheapest. You know, we want to charge value um, for, the, for the goods that we produce. Um, they're certainly coming, becoming more expensive in the UK now than they ever, ever had. Obviously, we've got a lot of competition within Europe as well, from Europe, sorry. Um, so yeah, I think anything you can add there from a marketing point of view, we'll be certainly putting it, displaying it where, where possible. Okay. Um, Chaz, I can see you nodding your head there. Is something you wanted to say there? Sorry, I didn't pick no, up. No, no, I mean, I, I, I think Mark's completely right. I, I completely agree with him. You, you know, it strengthens the brand and you know, Mark's brand is, is business and he wants to invest in it. He wants to sell more parts. He wants a reputation as a professional, good quality operator that people can be confident in, in the product. So I completely agree with him. Um, we've got a question here from Ulrich Lucas. Um, Ulrich, so can you share what parts are usually affected by recalls? Three most frequent ones. Tough question. <laughs> um, you know, you could say electronic components, suspension components, um, those types of components are, are fairly consistent um what we do find obviously takata's you know blown it out of the water um there's about a million recalled vehicles a year in the uk okay i think 2018 was the low 2019 was the last time we had some numbers come through there were 977 odd thousand vehicles in that year and um, you know the previous uh, five years before that there was higher than that because that's when they did a lot of the Takata recalls so um, you know I can tell you for example just a week and a half ago uh, we had uh, Volkswagen has issued another recall on another set of airbags not the same Takata airbag another set of airbags 365,000 vehicles have been recalled there uh, interestingly enough, the uh, in the US, the NHTSA, which is the National Highway, what does it stand for, Chad? Yeah, Transportation Safety Administration. Yeah. So they, they, I think, oversee the recall databases or the recalls that manufacturers put out. Um, they actually excluded 56 million vehicles from that specific recall. They, they, they want to see more evidence about it, but um, Volkswagen has... Uh, recalled 365,000 but think about what hasn't been recalled yet and it's 56 mm. million vehicles um, so Ulrich really hard to sort of say which are the main three um, certainly Takata has been prominent for obvious reasons we see a lot of control arms we see a lot of um, things like uh, you know uh, ignition switches wiring uh, 
you know, there was uh, another transmission recall not long ago. That was, happened to be another Volkswagen Golf 2012 to 2017 or 18, Golf 7, I think it was, or 8. Um, they had a transmission recall. Uh, so there was a, a whole heap of those that were recalled in that um, lot. Something to touch on, Chris, too, is a lot of these recalls actually may be uh, assembly routing, uh, routing of a wiring harness was done incorrectly uh, when the vehicle was actually manufactured. Uh, torque specifications may not have been completely reached when certain bolts were uh, installed. And so a lot of the recalls that we see come through the system may not necessarily be for parts. They may be for uh, routing or torque specs or something very, specific to, to some kind of labor that was performed on the vehicle during the assembly process. Yep. I'm just sharing a result there for a poll that we just did. We only got nine re responses to it, but do you currently check vehicles for recalls? We had three yeses and six noes. So, you know, if that's indicative, you know, 60 to 70% of yards currently don't check for recalls. Um, I can tell you now from the discussions I'm having with various organizations, um, in the UK, insurance companies and so forth, the recalls piece is going to be a critical component of anything that they do moving forward. Um, so it's it's something that, um, that that's, we need to deal with uh, if we can. Andy Latham's just popped another question up. Thanks Andy for these questions. I think they're really important. Um, you've only mentioned recall parts for cars. Are you including mo motorcycles, heavy commercials, buses, etc., in this system? Uh, Great question. <laughs> um, so yes, uh, I believe we're capturing all uh, motor vehicle related. Um, yeah, we have we have motorcycles. We do have heavy commercial trucks also. Yep. They're all, all in the system. Um, part of the challenge with some of these are the naming conventions. So you know, Yamaha. Traditionally, what we've done over here in Australia is we've dealt with motor vehicles, as in cars. Um, in the UK, we're adding motorcycles and, and other such. Uh, products because we know that the recyclers in the UK do sell a lot of this product and, and dismantle a lot of these products. So certainly they're going to be there um, and we're fine-tuning some of those naming conventions that we probably didn't have in place for the Australian market. But I think that's just about already there, isn't it, Chaz? Uh, Chaz? Yeah, we, we had some issues with Volvo because you have Volvo cars, Volvo trucks. Yes. Uh, you've got uh, Honda motorcycles, Honda cars, and so they are all uh, tying together and all going to be uh, available. Um, actually, it's probably functional at this exact moment. We just we just finished a patch about an hour ago in the system, so it's probably all, all functional right now. Excellent. Um, we haven't got any more questions at this very point in time. I might flick over back to the uh, the presentation and talk a little bit about how it'll work. Uh, let me just get back out of that. I will share my screen. Bear with me. Okay, so if we just have a little bit of a look at how it'll work. Um, so Mark mentioned earlier that uh, we ran a heap of his VINs through the system. I've hidden, I've hidden uh, this lot of VINs a little bit there for obvious reasons. We wanna make sure we deal with privacy issues accordingly. Um, but we've, we've run about 20,000 VINs through the system. Um, this specific recall, so this is the what we call the historic inventory analysis report that we produce. Um, we do this at the very beginning of the process um, and you know, for those that want us to do it. But basically we map all of your VINs back to the specific recalls in the database. 
this every recall has a recall ID. Um, and one of the challenges with the recall databases, both uh, here and in, in the UK, one of the challenges is that they give you a VIN range. And when they give you a VIN range, you know, not all the VINs within that range are affected. So we've been able to decode all of that so that it maps to the specific make and model. And therefore we get a one-to-one -one match. So basically uh, recall ID 3271, um, this was published or activated on the 16th of May, 2016. And it was for the driver, driver's airbag inflator, um, uh, manufacturer reference number, et cetera. It's actually a Honda CRV, uh, 2007 model. For this particular uh, uh, recall, Mark had 478 vehicles that he had, um, what would you call it, that he had uh, processed through his facility um, that were affected by this specific recall. So that's a lot of VINs affected by this recall. What does this allow Mark to do? It allows him to go through each of those VINs, and I know it's a job, but at the end of the day, we've got to do it, we've got to get it right. So it allows him to go through each of these 478 VINs and check whether that driver's airbag has been removed and sold, removed and in inventory, has it been crushed, um, what's the situation with it and deal with each of those scenarios if it's been crushed great he marks it off as it's gone it's gone to bed no one has to worry about it um, if it's in inventory then obviously remove from inventory delete it out of stock document that that's been done so we you know there's, there's a full traceability if it's been sold to a customer as i said before will help mark with some communication that he can communicate to that customer so that he or she can have it uh, repaired by the Honda dealer. Now, really important um, at this stage, we need to, I know there's a heap of GDPR requirements over there. Um, and I'm not sure where you guys are at, Mark. I'm not sure where you're positioned with regard to keeping customer records. I know when we spoke at the eBay um, conference back in February last year, we had a two day session. Um, we did talk about that specific issue and that you're not supposed to keep customer records for a period of time, unless there's an exception to the rule, unless it means that you need to keep them for this type of a, a purpose, right? Because it's a safety related issue. Um, my view on it is that it would be totally irrational not to keep customer records in this scenario, if they bought an airbag off you 10 years ago, um, they're driving around with a potentially fatally, you know, a fatal airbag on, in, in that vehicle. You need to be able to contact those customers. So I'm not sure where GDPR fits into that. I'm certainly not a lawyer and not giving advice on that front, but Chaz, I'm not sure. Have you had much to do there? What are you, what's your view on that? Is that something that we can deal with? Hey, sorry, was that me, Chris? Yeah. Yes. Yes, yeah. Um, now, GDPR is quite clear on that. There are there are specific cutouts. It doesn't prevent you holding customer information. It, it's focused around the management and the safety of that information. But uh, it specifically says if there are other legal requirements which require you to keep that data, then it's a legitimate interest to do so. And there's a there's a number of those, including Scrap Metal Dealers Act. Um, so yeah, um, keeping customer information certainly not a problem under GDPR. Transmitting it, obviously. Yep. Okay. Excellent. So, Mark, any comments on this screen? Um, the only reason I mentioned it being yours because you mentioned it before. So I thought I'd just. Yeah, no, no, I, no, I understand that. Thanks, Chris. 
Okay. Uh, Chris, um, Chris, one question that, that, that viewers may have, uh, we, we talked about recalls, but I'm aware that we haven't really put it into any context. Um, and you know, looking at that figure of 478 vehicles, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a lot of um, what we're assuming are active recalls. Um, have you got any kind of data on how many, you know, the presumption for many people would be that by the time a vehicle's got to end of life, it's, it's the recall's being satisfied and repairs. Have you got any kind of data that would point a light on that? You know what? I'm going to launch a poll because before I give you that, I want to get other people's ideas on what they think it is. So, yeah. guys, uh, on a serious note, I'm not trying to be funny about it, but on a serious note, I'm going to um, stop sharing this for a second. If I can launch that poll... Excuse me a moment. Uh, I'm going to launch that poll. If everyone can 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 respond to this and and really give us their ideas of what they think it is uh, as a percentage of all of the vehicles you have processed in the past, how many do you feel would be affected by a recall? Not just airbags, any type of recall that you need to deal with. So have a go at that, guys. While we're while we're talking, um, first one's come through there. Whoa, interesting. Okay, um, and while we're while we're talking, uh, we'll get those all through. They're flying through at the minute, so it's good and very evenly spread. I have to say. Um, so let's just continue here. Sorry, I'm moving between screens, uh, guys. So apologies for a little bit of incoherence. Um, Let's share screen. Chris, I do just have one question on that that last screen we were showing. And if it looks up the VIN numbers, does it actually identify if you've removed that part or not through the systems? No, we we don't we don't have that level of granularity between us and your yard management system, Mark. Um, potentially So you'd have to you'd have to run the vehicle stock numbers and see what you remove from them. Yes, at this stage, yes. Ma, uh, Chad, I know you've done a little bit of work with some of the recyclers here in Australia using. There, there is another option. We could pull a report. We could pull a report out of your system. That's um, a, a couple of things. I think you call it a shakedown report. It uh, tells you what you have in stock. I can create a shakedown report to the uh, list of active recalls, and then give you a report back that I could just run the query for you, match the records up, send the list back to you of everything you have in stock that is affected. That takes me about 24 hours to turn that around and get it back to you. Uh, another option is to run another report on some of your historical sales records, and then I could query that against the, the recalls also, and then tell you what you have sold that has actually been recalled. And so we definitely can do that manually and I can do that on my end. Uh, it, it's a little bit time consuming, um, but it is definitely doable. And it's something that somebody with uh, a little familiarity with Microsoft Access uh, could do at your facility also. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. We, we have somebody on that. Just, yeah, so yeah, I can understand. Yep. Yep. Okay, so um, let's quickly go to the next slide and if in the case where you don't have integration um, obviously you can use the web interface on the all auto recall system to, to do a VIN check and looking at a one of the VINs that was was affected uh, basically I just did a, a screenshot of it before um, so this specific VIN 
uh, was for a Honda CRV 2007. As you can see just below here, you've got uh, two found, which means that there were two recalls found on that specific vehicle. Um, you've got the specific description of the issue, passenger side airbag may fail to deploy, etc. And then underneath that, you've got the second one, driver's airbag. So there were two recalls. The first one was published on the 8th of the 8th, 2016. Um, that's the passenger side airbag. That's when the recall was activated. The second one was activated on the 16th of the 5th, 2016. So if you're looking at recalls, if it's not integrated with your yard management system and you, you, know, you type that information in there and it gives you that return, you'll see all of that information there for you so that you can deal with a specific part on the vehicle that's just coming to your yard. If it's integrated, for example, integrated with Pinnacle, the way it is here in Australia, um, what it'll do is it'll bring this information up. It'll look slightly differently um, or slightly different, um, but it'll bring this information up within your Pinnacle system so that you can see it there and then. And it'll store this information, date and time stamped within Pinnacle and the user who saw it, etc. So certainly if you're a DH user, um, Again, the API is there. You'll be able to use that API to interface with, with DH as well very, very easily. But again, the information is there. It allows you to deal with that at that point in time. Um, any questions on that, Mark? Probably more so from a user perspective from you. Any questions on, on that screen there? No, no, it's pretty straightforward. Yep, okay. Uh, Chris, um, Chris, what, what um, when you're inputting that data on your web portal, yep. um, how much information would a user have to type in? Is it just the VIN or do they have to enter other information? They have to enter the VIN make model year. And the reason they need to do that is because of the VIN ranges. We need that information to then basically reverse and decode those VIN ranges to the specific recall and the specific VIN. Otherwise, you get crazy sort of responses. So okay. this enables us to go one-to-one. -one. So we can get a, an exact match by doing it that way. Um, it's just the way the manufacturers produce and, and share that information with us. So uh, that's what we've... That's what and, we've and, and again, Chaz, just to touch base, this can be done, uh, the initial uh, onset can be done by a simple V4 report out of the Pinnacle system, and then you send that to us, and then we run it through the system in a batch bulk upload, and then the report comes back out in an Excel format like this. So the poll, um, interesting, it's pretty, pretty even, isn't it? 14 to 21%. Yeah. Um, the 20,000 odd VINs that we've run in the UK market at the minute for Mark, uh, we've got a number more to do. So we, we're certainly not at the end of that, but uh, 20,000 VINs gives you a decent sample size, uh, are running very close to 15%. So those in the middle there, 11 to 15%, you're the winners. Um, 21%. So yeah, you're close. So look, I think everyone understands that there's a, there's a fair chunk out there, right? Um, it's not, it's not like 90% of your inventory, but 15% of your inventory potentially is affected by a recall. Um, you need to deal with them. So think about also from a perspective of an insurer. So, you know, Mark, one of the things we discussed before was, <clears throat> excuse me, um, promoting our services, our products to insurers. You know, if an insurer doesn't have a level of confidence that the part that they're buying uh, to authorise to be put on a on a claim uh, hasn't been checked, 
you know, there's, it's questionable to a degree. More importantly, what happens if something happens in the future? How do we know that that part um, hasn't been recalled at any point in time in the future? And, and what do we do about that? Especially now that we're moving towards more and more electronic um, parts, you know, technology, for example, door mirrors with sensors and cameras and all this type of stuff. That's where we're seeing a lot of recalls happening. I know Rick asked the question before. That's, that's an example. Now we're seeing a lot of those sensors and technology components, which used to be, you know, little sensors in the bumper bar. Now they're everywhere, right? Let's face it, our vehicle's got sensors all over the place. So in order for us to be able to be selling these really expensive components in the future to a big, big burgeoning market like that insurance market that, you know, we've been working hard at for a long time, we're very close to now, we've got to be able to give them certain guarantees around our processes and our systems. Um, and as I said before, you may not choose to use the all auto recalls VRA system. You may choose to use something else, whatever it is, do something about recalls. I think it's something that we yeah. cannot ignore. Yeah. Um, we've got another question here, Bill Firth. Uh, if the recall has been fixed prior to end of life, does your system exclude these vehicles or VINs? That's a really good question. So, um, there's a gray area in the UK um, and we've opted to take the path of erring on the side of caution rather than giving false, pos uh, false negatives. Um, and that is vehicles, I believe, from, from what I understand in the UK, when they go through a particular class of total loss, um, they need a certificate of destruction from the recycling, the ATF. Is that right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. What happens there apparently is that the vehicle manufacturer um, is able to basically cross that vehicle off the list and close that recall. So it's marked as completed. As a result, um, we may have removed components of that vehicle for resale, because that's what we do. We're automotive recyclers, right? We take them off the car, we put them into stock and we sell those parts. Those parts will show up as not affected but they're actually affected parts because the vehicle itself that you've crushed isn't the, the product that's, that's an issue. It's the component part that's come off that is actually recalled. So uh, at this point in time, unless uh, the manufacturers can give us a lot more certainty around that, um, we're in a position and we've looked at direct feeds with the manufacturers um, and even they're not giving us that live status. We'll be flagging, um, these components as recalled so that they're dealt with um, and make sure that you get them out of the system rather than leaving them out there and potentially risking selling them to a, to a potential user. Chaz? Yeah, I, I mean, I'd have, um, it's um, the DBSA are the body responsible for recalls in the UK. And uh, I've had a couple of discussions with them about it um my my impression was that um if if the vehicle at the point of end of life has got an outstanding recall on it a cod wouldn't affect it um i think the fact that we've been able to run uh recalls on vehicles that mark cod would support that but you know the more you you know the word of caution is the more you talk to these people in technical terms the less certain they seem to be so yeah you have to Air on the side of caution with that. So we've had discussions with DVSA slash SMMT, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. Um, and certainly there. I don't want to be sending a response to you know Mark, for example, on a 
control one that's worth 50 quid, whatever the case is, um, that says it's safe to sell, he sells and it snaps because it wasn't, you know, it didn't go through the toughening process. It wasn't cured properly, which is one of the issues, believe it or not. Um, and then it causes a crazy accident, right? That involves 10 cars and 15 people and all that type of stuff. For the sake of a 50 pound control arm, I'd rather say, let's get it out of the system and make sure we're not in trouble here, right? Um, I think that's that's where we're at at the Until someone can give us certainty around it, then let's err on the side of caution and give everyone the comfort that, guys, if there's an issue on your historic stuff, it's dealt with. Anything moving forward from this point on, yep, as soon as we see the recall, bang, it's hit you, you get the auto alert, Mark removes that part from stock because it's live. You know, he knows it's live. So that, that's where it's at at the minute. Chris, what about um, Mercedes? Um, when I spoke to DVSA, they uh, pointed out that a couple of manufacturers don't submit information to um, the SMMG database. And I, I seem to recall that, that Mercedes were in, um, there was some legal uh, dispute about that recently. Can you shed any light on that? Yeah, I believe we have Mercedes. I'm just checking now by make. Uh, let me just have a quick look. We we did map that earlier today. That was one of the one of the uh, patches we had to do earlier. We do have some recall data on the Mercedes. Um, can you find one to share with us, Chris? I'm just trying to get into the back end at the minute. Maybe not for this call, Chaz, but uh, certainly we can follow that question up and see what what's there or not there. Uh, actually, here we go. Um, yes, Mercedes is in there. Uh, we've found, yeah, there's a heap of, of VINs within the system. Uh, there's some model model matching that needs to happen yet, um, but certainly the Mercedes are in there. So we've got uh, 1,412 separate recalls that are in our system for Mercedes alone. Okay. Yep. Okay, excellent. Um, okay, so hopefully... Uh, didn't catch the name there, but hopefully we've answered that question. Uh, as we've said, we are we do want to err on the side of caution rather than potentially going down the wrong path and uh, putting people at risk. Um, let me just talk a little bit about um, how we want to work with you with regard to promotion. So, Mark, one of the things you mentioned earlier was how do I promote the business? What do I do to, to really get out there? We recognize this as, as an area that needs to be dealt with. Um, we want to give recyclers and manufacturers that are participating and, and engaging with us um, as much uh, marketing sort of clout as possible. So one of the things we've done for the Australian market is, obviously we have a frame certificate that we send you, that's all good and well, but that sits in your office. Uh, that's not a big deal. One of the things we do is we have the uh, registered user logo um, a number of our members here in Australia now have that, for example, in their email signature. They're starting to list it on their eBay photos. They're starting to put it on their websites, you know, that they are recall checked um, or they're a participating registered user of the recall system just to give their customers peace of mind. Obviously, one of the things that we can't check right this point in time is whether you're actually following through and, and dealing with the recalls in your system. So we assume you're going to do that. It's in your interest to do that, but we try and provide you with as much of that information as possible. So we'd urge you, 
um, if you became a member to use that information and, and get it out there so you can actually tell your customers that when you're buying my part, you know that it's been through a recall process. The other thing we've done locally as well is our members, we've sent them, we've printed off a little you know, postcard size, uh, that bottom left-hand corner there, no safe, drive safe with a blue round circle down the bottom left yeah. corner. Um, little double-sided flyers that we're uh, putting, uh, asking our members to put with their invoices. Mark, when I was at your place, you do a lot with eBay, for example, and you put your little lollies in your eBay boxes. It's a perfect sort of thing to do there. You put one of these cards in there and then your your customer, once they've bought off you, knows that, you know, they've they've bought from someone that's doing the right thing and you know if there's any issue in the future you're going to be talking to them next time they're looking at ebay they're looking up your store rather than someone else's right so um not that i don't want them to look up someone else's but obviously we want to promote our members as much as possible so uh, they're the types of things that we've started doing here um i think there's opportunities there to to do more and more of that um i'd love to be talking to some of the online platforms about how they can promote this and again uh, as to your point earlier, Mark, and also Chaz, it's a way of self-regulating and, and making sure that we've got quality recyclers participating in a certification program, participating in a recall program, and by default, the ones that don't do the right thing are going to pop out the side. Just my view, but I think that's where it's going to end up without having it legislated, if you like, because, you know, legislation's the funny thing. You know, sometimes it's... We don't really want it, but we get what we ask for, and it's probably not a good thing. We, we can't say today confident that they won't legislate against it, though, Chris. Say that again, Mac. Uh, we, we say here today that we know, we're confident that they might legislate in the future. So, you know, you, it's better be prepared. Yeah, they, they well might. I mean, we don't know. So it's out of our hands uh, to a degree. But let's be prepared. Let's be in the right spot. Let's do the right things. You know, I think everyone. I think the pace of, I think the the, the use of uh, or the reuse of uh, parts now is certainly uh, certainly increasing year on year, um, and I just think that the, the 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 demands and the, um, the, the the strict rules around it will only get stricter. That's our view. I've got I've got no doubt. Look, we um, the work that I'm doing with insurers over there. Um, there is a really, really strong, strong push towards reclaimed parts. There's no doubt about it. Um, we've said it before, claims costs are increasing, parts costs are increasing, availability of OE parts is becoming more difficult and more time consuming. Everything's X Germany, X Japan, X Korea, X China, whatever it is. Um, it's getting more and more difficult. And at the minute in the UK, you guys are a bit lucky, if I can use that term lucky. Um, well, no, you're not lucky. The insurers uh, are not seeing it at the minute um, because their claim rates are down by 70%. Right? Mm. Even still, the claim rates are, are down significantly. So they haven't had to deal with the volume of requests for those parts that are in, um, you know, in back order at the minute because they've still got inventory. So I think it's going to be, uh, we're going to be using more and more reclaimed parts. And I think that's a great thing for the industry. The economic environment is such that it will... Uh, push towards more and more recall parts. Let's face it, when we have uh, economic hardship, uh, longer term, people keep their cars, they don't buy new cars, they can't afford to buy new cars, they've lost their job, etc. Um, so they're looking for 
a cheaper alternative. They're looking to repair their older car. And that's where I think organisations like yourself, Mark, and the people that you represent, uh, Chaz, um, are going to really do well in the next you know, five or six years. Uh, but we need to be smart about it as well. We need to start taking the next step. And I think certification, Chaz, uh, to your credit and what the VRAC, VRA certification has done. Um, and really looking forward to the next announcement that hopefully we'll, you'll be able to make really soon. Um, that's going to be really, really uh, important for the industry. Okay, we're nearing the end. Um, if we have no more questions, uh, any closing comments, Chaz, before we move on? No, I just, I think recalls, um, I think certification in this country is, is overdue. Um, we've been talking about green parts standards for as long as I've been in the industry. I used to work closely with Mark and we've hosted many insurance company meetings going back 15 years. So I think it's, uh, it's, it's come of age and um, I think it's going to happen now. And uh, we have an opportunity to really build confidence in, in the product we supply. Excellent. Mark? Yeah, like I said, I just reiterate what Chaz says. I think they said the accreditation, mm -hmm. all the tools that get, you know, any tools that we can have to enhance the way we sell parts and how we sell parts is, is got to be beneficial to the ones that want to do it and want to, to, to drive their businesses forward. So, you know, we embrace, we are, we're embracing the changes. Um, you know, we're welcoming. Yeah, there's obviously challenges to, to bringing new processes in, obviously additional costs. And we've got to take we've got to factor those into the to the to the business as well. But you know, overall, you know, I'm we're comfortable with it. We think it's like I said, well overdue. Certainly, accreditation is um, in 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 the UK, um, and certainly reuse is obviously well, for the insurance companies is is well overdue. But we know why, how, and you know what's going on. So, and I think it's, it's I think it's it's a brighter a brighter future for the auto, auto recycling in the UK. Great. I think, uh, I think you're right on the money there, Mark. Um, certainly one of the things I've been working with the UK market now for a good 15, 16 months, so progressive, um, really exciting. You've got some great yards there. And as I've said before to so many people, I said to Chad today in the office, I said, you know what, there's, there's a half a dozen yards in the UK that I've been to at least, and there's probably more, but half a dozen yards that I've been to, and they're the best in class anywhere in the world that I've seen, you know, beyond the biggest yards in the US. And I, and I say that with all respect, Chad, but um, certainly, you know, your organization there, Mark, should uh, be very proud of itself and what you guys have achieved there. And I think you're leaders in the industry and you're taking that leadership position. So I think that's a really positive thing. Um, and I, I really enjoy working with, with, you know, with you guys in the UK. I think it's great. You mentioned something there though that I did want to touch on because I nearly forgot. And that is, you know, there will be new costs that come into play. So one of the questions, Chaz, that you had is, What's it going to cost recyclers? So again, I've been working closely with Chaz to sort of come up with a model that's going to be cost effective. Um, it's a bit of a scalable model so that the larger players that do higher volumes um, can do what they need to do with recalls without it breaking the bank. But basically we're going to kick off, there'll be a base fee of 85 pound a month. Um, and then it, there'll be a small transaction fee per recall. Um, uh, I think uh, at the, the lower volume yards will be it'll be about 35 is a pence that you guys use there yeah. um, per um, per check per unique check not for every single so you might check the same bin number five times in a month um, and that's okay um, so that's one check right it's not 10 different um, 
but yes, that's that's what we're kicking the model off with. Um, and you know, obviously, we'll you know, higher volume yards, we'll, we'll get a, a, a volume discount if you like to help them through it to make it work. So um, that's where we're at. Um, we've tried to, as I said, we've tried to come in at a at a price that's going to make it feasible for everyone to use and, and not obtrusive. Um, we think we're there. Um, we're just announcing, likewise. Uh, uh, tomorrow we'll be having a, an EDM go out to Australian users. We, we spoke to Chad spoke to each of them today. Um, the price locally was uh, double that until literally today. So we've we've uh, matched that with the UK model, um, and hopefully we'll see a growing number of users come on um, because it is a critical sort of part of the market. We need to do something and make sure that we make it accessible to as many as possible. So. Um, that's a little bit about cost. Any questions, Chaz, Mark, on that? No. At this point, I Chad, anything from you before we uh, close off? No, I just I want to reiterate how impressed I am with 50% of your members interested in certification. That, that blows my mind and, uh, and so it's something to be very proud of. Excellent. Well, again, thank you, gentlemen. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your, your effort to be on this call. I know, Mark, you've got a heap of stuff happening at the minute with your, yeah, have, yeah. your growth strategy. So thank you. I appreciate your time. Chaz, always a pleasure working with you, mate. Um, well, I think it's coming along and uh, I see a really bright future. Chad, I'll see you in the morning. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. See you next thank week. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.